Uh, this is the Magazine Podcast, and Joe Dungan is hosting. I've got uh, Lorenzo and Max. Hey, fellas, how you doing? Hey, hey Joe, Joe. How's it going? Thanks I'm for having us. Fine. What's up? That was a bad live read. I'm sorry about that. We can edit that out if you want. <laughs> <laughs> well, we can't now because you already said we can edit that out, and the audience is going to be like, edit what out? Oh, you know what that does? That creates suspense. Now they're all going to go, what, 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 what was that? And they're going to pay the premium so they can get the extras. In the I just last episode, we talked about my mom, my mother-in-law, Sherry, loving you, and now you're talking about Sherry's berries, and I'm going to hurl. Isn't that interesting? <laughs> so, Max, Max, first of all, I want to talk about your back. Oh, Your yes. back, are you in pain right now as we sit here? Well, yes, I was badly rear-ended. Uh, that, is that a metaphor? On the way back from Cayucas, and uh, dude, you know how many accidents I've been in? Many. Five. Oh, uh, that's pretty good. Yeah, you said so on Facebook. You've been oh. in five. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and I totaled two cars. That's hard to do. But uh, this, here's the problem. And here's what I did wrong, Joe. I was uh, in, in, in a parking lot on the 101 freeway. I was in very stalled traffic. But there was a great deal of space behind me. The problem is, and I said this to uh, both the orthopedic guy I saw and the uh, chiropractor I'm now seeing who's great, highly recommend Dr. John Austria. He's a little razor-sharp thing, but boy, he's amazing. Uh, thanks to Lorenzo, actually, who uh, got me the uh, recommendation. Anyhow, so I'm sitting there in dead traffic, and I'm, and I'm coming back from the Central Coast, and I'm trying to get my wife to a job interview, and, and it's a little tense because I know she's nervous, and there's a lot going on. Joe, I looked up in the rear view just as the black car was hurling into my car's ass. If I didn't look up, I think I'd be in better shape. Yeah. Because my body instantly went, we're going to die. Yeah. And bam. Yeah. And I went, whoosh. Like it was all kinds of horrible shit happening in my seat. And I felt some shit right away. And I am, Joe, I would much rather drink wine, watch documentaries and horror films and sit on my ass than deal with lawyers and insurance companies. And I am not neck brace guy. I got out of this car uh, I, the guy behind me who hit us, I'm pretty sure he was texting. I don't know, but I'm pretty sure he was so sweet. I'm so sorry. We pull off the freeway immediately. CHP rolls up. Is everyone okay? Please do that this way. Do it that way. I kept stepping into traffic, sir. Can you stop stepping into traffic? And I tell you, man, I, I knew that there was something wrong. I knew it. Well, uh, how did you know? Did you feel it? I physically? felt, I felt a shock through my body and I felt instant pain in my in my spine. Mm. And sure enough, I get two x-rays today. Now it's affected my hip and, 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 and back. <laughs> this is not what I need. Uh, no. I'm Who, trying to enjoy life, Joe. Yeah, sure, sure. So, uh, no. so now I'm looking, I'm looking down the barrel of 10 weeks of uh, <laughs> chiropractics and uh, PT. Well, I'm hoping the PT chick is hot. No, wait, 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 wait. Describe the, the the physical therapy you need. Do you know what it's going to? I involve? don't know because uh, I haven't gone. Okay. But uh, boy, oh boy, uh, they get they they're real efficient, man. Mm -hmm. These doctors, you're in. I mean, it was a whirlwind. Sign the papers. Oh, now they have you sign the papers online, but I missed it for the orthopedic guy. But you're filling out papers. Boom, you're in the office. Boom, what's your problem? Boom, let's fill you up. Boom, get in the room. Boom, X-ray. Boom, get out of here. Boom, you got PT. Boom, get the fuck out. I mean, I was there for a half hour. Hmm. Very efficient. I like efficiency. Yeah. Efficiency, Joe. Mm -hmm. Especially in the world of medicine. Good. Well, I'm glad, I, I'm glad you're... Like on a scale of 1 to 10, what's your pain level right now? Right now, it's about a 6. 
Shit, are you serious? I should be on ice right now. Yeah. You're like right just sitting here? I'm eating pain, but it's kind of like pain kind of makes you feel alive. Well, yeah. I'm very, I thought I was a pussy when it comes to pain, but for some reason I'm so used to it by now that like, huh, because I'm always the guy that's banging into walls. I'm always slicing over, you know, your fingertips are very sensitive. Mm-hmm. I'm always slicing open my fingertips. Just in general stuff. Are you a high school girl? A lot. <laughs> Why are you slicing up your fingertips? Because I'm being ignored by my mom. <laughs> my mom loves my sister more than me. Salute. Now, now this accident, your wife was in the car with you. Yeah. How's she doing? She needs 12 weeks of car. What? Oh, no way. Oh, yeah. But she has um, other problems anyway with her back, but the, the accident just made her other problems worse. Oh, God. I'm Do you feel like that. a punching bag in yes, life? in life. <laughs> yes. Life is just like one gigantic clubber lang yeah. that's just beating the fuck out of you? Two <laughs> clubber lang. See... That's a beautiful That's reference. That's a great reference. Man. It really is. Thank you. Is life just one big clubber lang beating the fuck out of you? I mean, that's poetry. Uh, yes, I do. I do. do, do especially ever, this year. You ever feel like Thunderlips is beating the hell out of you? Thunderlips! <laughs> <laughs> that's great, too. Let's all watch Rocky movies all night. <laughs> that's part of the slumber party. Hey, everybody. I'm Joe Dungan. I'm here with Lorenzo and Max. We're just talking about stuff. Lorenzo, yeah. you were talking earlier to me about how music, you love stand-up comedy. And you think music is is like stand up comedy in a certain way? Yeah, how absolutely. Do you, how how is that? How well, do you I mean, even you know, if you, like we talked um, about George Carlin, and even um, uh, even Louis C.K. to a, a a point. But when those guys do what they're doing and they're in that zone, to me, it's it's always been like jazz. It's always been very musical. It's always been like a song where you have a verse, and the chorus is the peak. And then you may have a bridge, maybe you have something that goes off to another area, but then it comes back to the verse, maybe ends with a double chorus. There's a song structure, which I think is very analogous to a comedic structure. And I think that a virtuoso sax player like John Coltrane, that process mentally, I don't think is that different from George Carlin at all. And I think that it, I always uh, fuse the two together. Always. I'm trying to wrap my head around that. John yeah. Coltrane, the great jazz uh, sax he was a sax player, right? Right. In the 60s. And he, he could just young. riff, but he riffed within uh, an amazing context. You knew what he was playing. He wasn't just spazzing out like no, Thelonious could, Monk was all over the place. But Coltrane... Yeah, but, when, uh, but I think even Thelonious Monk, even though he played what they call outside the box, he knew what he was doing. He wasn't just hitting any old key. That <laughs> reminds me of some of my stand-up comedy. Yeah. <laughs> a little outside the box. I don't care if the audience isn't laughing. That's right. I know this is hilarious. That's right. You're just standing in a different box than me. Right. But I, I always th- I thought the two, you know, I'm, I'm in a band. I've been in many bands for, for decades. And that, what we do in bands, creating songs, even improving, is very analogous to stand-up comedy. Right, but how do you know that what you're doing is working? Because you have to work within a structure. Otherwise, you're just doing... You know what? All we really are doing is pleasing ourselves. We're not analyzing it. I, I only like what I would want to hear myself. How do you maintain your audience interest, though? We let that go. We, we, we try to at least be our own tastemakers... You know, not that we have, we're egotistical, but we think that if we think it's good, somebody else will also. Not everybody. You know, I'm in, I'm in a really good pop band, and some people love us. Some people don't. You got to let that go. 
But the people that really like good, well-written pop songs really like us. If you're into speed metal, you're not going to like us. So there's something for everybody. So we only perform the songs that we are really passionate about because they, we would want to hear them on the radio, let's say. Ultimately, that's an ideal way to go because there is no art that's going to please everybody. You, you, can you name, can't. It's name not the possible. Greatest. Mona Lisa pisses people off. Right. My God. Everybody, right. everybody. You gotta, there's, there's a lot to it. you got to let it go. Right. And but, we don't pay attention. At least I personally don't pay attention to people's opinions. Right. But at the same time, well, so, so you're the one. <laughs> well, I don't. But I don't. how do you... Because how do you, 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 gotta, you got to be true to yourself. But how do you know... How do you know what you're doing is quality? Because I tell jokes that I think are fantastic and nobody laughs. And I'm going, okay, do I really want to tell this joke to a guy who just paid 10 bucks to get in? Because it's, it's, they're not going to think it's funny. But you're going to self-filter yourself to death. After a while, you're going to have one joke. Well, no, you're still going to put your best foot forward, whatever that is. Because you have to, you have to indulge people who paid to see you. Now my question. Now I'm not. I haven't heard your music, right. so I don't know what 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 you offer audiences. But when you said we're here to please ourselves, my mm-hmm. question is: How do you know that what you're doing is satisfactory to the people who paid money to see you? It's it's a leap of faith, you know. And you you, you take the risk, as you know, being on stage, you take the risk of complete failure. I mean, we've had the sound of one hand clapping, definitely. We've had you know when you hear crickets, you you're rocking out and the big ending, and you go. And you hear this. <laughs> wow. And it's, I know it's a good song. They didn't get it. It was the wrong audience for that night, I guess. We don't X the song out of the set because of that. It's just like, well, you didn't get that, but we like it, so we're going to do it. Does it depend on the venue you're playing? Do you ever say to yourself, well, we're playing some, you know, very conservative, you know, Ramada Inn lobby in Palmdale, <laughs> therefore they're going to want to hear yeah, like I guess the if standards. We, if we did those, yeah, I guess sometimes the venue, it also depends on the booker because the booker can book you with other acts that aren't relevant to what you do. You know, we're a pop band and we played with, you know, folk bands, heavy metal bands, death metal, uh, Zydeco, psychobilly, reggae, and it's like, what, why are we on this bill, you know? So, so the audiences that come in for that kind of music probably won't like us. So to us, it's like, well, it's a live rehearsal. It doesn't hurt to at least do it. So at that point, do you figure, let's, fuck it, we're not going to reach these people. We might as well do what we want. Yeah. And okay. we're doing what we want anyway. I mean, the songs that are in the set are what we want to play. That's admirable. Uh, that, it's admirable, especially when it succeeds, when you have people coming up to you going, wow, I really respect the fact that you just went for it and did what you wanted. Right. And we but, also get, but the one thing is that most of the time, we are uh, applauded for our songs. That's great. So we've, I'm not saying it's a guess, but we're, we're fans of music enough where we can know what's good to ourselves. Because we also know it's bad. So we don't do every single idea that comes in the room. Because sometimes we'll be jamming, oh, there, that's crap. Whoa, there you, know? you go. Now you're onto something because it doesn't sound like you're doing just any old thing you want. If you know something is crap in the moment and you avoid it, now is that, do you know it because you're, you know the artistic brilliance or do you know it because wait a minute they're gonna fucking hate this no I don't think we're thinking audience we just know that it's boring you know if we're, if we're all playing a song and we can all tell that we're not feeling it that this song isn't kind of going nowhere it's got no vibe it's got no groove it's like well I wouldn't want to see a band do this why are we doing this it's, can not, you, it's can, not pleasing ourselves can, then we're not gonna play it can you do that during a song while you're doing it or do you do it like at the beginning of the gig no, no, if it, it, the song isn't even going to make the gig. Oh, okay. This is rehearsal. All right. When we, when we jam in rehearsal and come up with songs, um, the process is we're not even going to have a song reach fruition, really, 
if we all aren't into it. And you can kind of get a vibe about this is not a good song. Wow, good for you. Because now, what's interesting to me about that is now it sounds like you're training your audience as if to say, we're experts at this. Therefore, we're going to, we're, we're informing you preemptorily. We're not going to do this song because it's not good enough for you. It, it's not good enough for us. Right. We're not going to do it. And they won't even hear it anyway. They don't even know. Right. That we've exactly. Had, you know, for one song that we're playing, we've had a few that just went into the garbage that no one's ever going to hear. But you know, you throw out ideas. It's right. Like, it's a big, huge lump of clay. I've written as a comedian, I've written tons of stuff and a lot of it I've, I've done once or never. Or never. I'm going, I know. But what's interesting is when you headline, the appreciation you get from audiences because it's almost like, well, he's the headliner, therefore this stuff is funny. Right. And you're standing there, and I've told jokes that I'm going, I don't know, I mean, I'm doing my best here. I don't know if this is my best stuff, but I got to fill 45 minutes. So I'm, I'm doing something going, well, wait a minute. I don't think this is a great joke, but they're laughing at it anyway, and it's because you've trained them. Mm. Because of the billing, your top billing, you're, you're the headliner, and... You know, the talent that you bring shows up. It's not, you're not asking permission. You're not telling the audience, hey, please like me. You're informing the audience, I am a professional. Here is what I am doing. You are going to like it right. because I am a pro- professional. You might not think it's that funny, but you will respect it. Um, and I've had those moments where I'm going, I don't, this isn't my best stuff. But you kind of throw it in the middle because you got to fill time. Mm-hmm. But it's, the point being that just by virtue of being there as and build as what you are, audiences are already expecting, are already trained to believe that what they're getting is quality. Right. Now, some of them might drive away going, but that part in the middle where he sang up, he talked about grapefruits, that just wasn't funny. Okay, well, fine, that'll happen. But at the moment, they're not going to say that. Right. And I, I'm wondering if you've gotten that kind of feedback as a musician where people are going, well, well, I liked a lot of those songs, but a couple of them, I'm kind of going, eh, why did they do that? Or do you kind of have an intuitive understanding of our audience is going to like this because we know what we're doing? A little bit of both. I mean, we don't hit the mark every time. I mean, we play songs that we really like, and we think we're having a great night on stage, and we're all, you know, rehearsing is all paying off, and we're tight, and we're this, and we're that, and the audience, and we hear crickets. It's like, well, God, is it us? Or they're just not getting it, you know? And we, we know that the song is good or, the, or the, a set of songs are good. But like you said, sometimes people will say, God, I love that opening song. I say, well, we, we played 10 more, mm-hmm. you know? And that's just every single audience is different. Also, I have to say, we're in L.A. L.A. is a little bubble that is so different. Once Jaded. I have played outside of L.A. It's an absolutely different world. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Number one, if you can get someone to even listen to you as a band, even in a club, it's amazing. We might as well be a CD. You know, we might, we're like a live jukebox. They're not even listening or paying attention in this town. You go out of L.A., they want to listen to music. They want to engage with you. They want to hear every single thing you're doing. In this town, you have to be Prince or Sting before they can look up from their phone and go, oh, there's a human being playing on stage right now. (laughs) And then they're good for maybe 10 seconds and, oh, Max Cook posted something on Facebook. (laughs) So I'm very interesting on Facebook. You are. And I probably to the people that come see our shows, you're more interesting than our shows. So between the hours of 9 and 10, could you not post anything, please? You got it. All right. 
Um, that's a similar thing that's happened to me with stand-up comedy because in stand-up in LA, everyone is so jaded. But you go, you go to Bakersfield, you might as well be in Oklahoma. They're right. so happy. That right. The There's not that impress me. You yeah. walk in the club, I'm setting up my drums, and people are literally standing with their arms folded, like, okay, do something to impress me before I've even set up, you know. And um, uh, how do I say this? Given the benefit of the doubt, you're not in LA most of the time. But if you're good, then you can win them over. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I was in uh, Clovis a few weeks ago. Where's which Clovis? Is, it's near Fresno. Oh. I know a guy who, uh, Danny Minch, shout out to Danny. He runs a room there in Clovis and he's a great guy. And he had me back for the second time this year. And they are so appreciative. You know, just I think, I, I, I think part of it is just by virtue of not being in Los Angeles. Yeah. They're just so damn happy yeah. <laughs> that people from outside of Fresno give came a fuck by. to even go there. Yeah. To show up and entertain them, which is what we did. I went with another comedian friend of mine, David Connolly, and we both, you know, spent we we, we co-headlined and, and you killed. Yeah, we did great, and it was it was wonderful. Mm-hmm. And it's it's great to get out and do that to Absolutely. be out of L.A. because L.A. everyone's an entertainer or they know a hundred entertainers, so everyone's very jaded and it's it's a difficult thing. Yeah. So I mean, good on you for 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 splitting. You know, straddling between commerce and artistic integrity because that's a difficult thing to do. It comes down to, like we talked even in uh, the last episode with you, it's your passion, mm-hmm. comedy. Yeah. No, you're not getting paid that much to do it. You're doing it because it's inside you to do and it's mm-hmm. what you do. Yep. Musician, painter, photographer, sculptor, actor, it's the same thing. Of course, making money would be great. Being a rock star would be amazing, mm-hmm. a successful musician. But I'm a drummer and I love drumming, it's what I do. So I drum uh, for free most of the time. Most unknown bands don't get paid anything. I've known people like this. I know a. It's a, what I do. I know a guitarist who uh, played bumper music for a show I did a coffee house up in Newhall about four years ago. Uh, his wife was working there at the time, and he came by and he just sat there and jammed while you know as intro music. Please welcome you know John Smith, and as the audience applauded, he play a few little licks on the guitar. This guy has been touring with bands for 35 years right. he toured with madonna in the 80s wow. when she was madonna he has played at the white house in front of barack obama wow. I mean, he has played he is not a household name he doesn't have to do bumper music but the household names know who he is right they because they're like oh we want james playing behind us right james Hara, he's one of the most brilliant guitarists probably in the world um but and here he is on a saturday night sitting in our little shitty you know show at this coffee house why? He loves he was in to town, play. and he was free, and his wife was there. And he's like, yeah, sure. So that's the kind of... It, 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 I get it. You you just, know, that's why these things happen. It's what you do. You live to play. Mm-hmm. It's like, at least for me, and I'm sure I'm speaking for almost every musician out there, when you're not playing, you get depressed. Yeah. It really is this drug you have to do. Uh-huh. You know, it's true. Speaking of making money with your art, Max... <laughs> Wait, before we get into this, I am loving... You taking over the show. But if this really was your show, would you have listened to Lorenzo's music before interviewing him? Of course. Because you said, I've never heard your music. Yeah, but I haven't. But you're doing a great job. Forgive me. Like, this is a really... Oh, gee, thanks, Max. You're kind of putting on your radio voice. Glad I met your high level of standards, you judgmental fuck. (laughs) (laughs) Now, back to Madonna. Oh, wait, I'm taking... My question question was, uh, uh, you... Have yeah. some news? I think you can reveal. I can reveal. I can reveal. I just I'm not a revealer. You'd be surprised by that. There's a lot of people that are very 
successful that reveal, reveal, reveal. Yeah, yeah. There's some total on. whores. Or blah, but blah, am blah. I really the braggadocious guy? Not really. Thank Not you. as much. There are no. some people who are just all about, oh my God, I just had an omelet. It's the most amazing fucking thing. No, no. But you're kind of like, Thank you. I, I have trouble knowing what all your successes are because you don't like blast them out like some whores do. Thank but, you. But, however. I think my cousin thinks I do. No, I never said that. Well, I thought that's what you thought Facebook was about. Well, I thought Facebook mostly is about I had a great omelet. Look, here's, oh, the, and here, here's okay. a picture of it and All a right. burger All right. and a candy bar. And well, I, I worry about what he thinks. Okay. Right. I, 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 However, there yes. is some news, no. and I think you can reveal it. I yes? can reveal. I am officially the voice of Chester Cheetah, who is on the Cheetos. <laughs> I, this has been... Listen. That's big, Max. It's big. And uh, uh, I, I'm so excited and... Uh, it's very humbling and amazing, and, and I'm just so glad to, to be doing this. And here's the thing. I love this cheetah. He is three feet tall. He wears sunglasses, and he is so goddamn cool. Now, wait, wait, wait. You've animated. You've done a lot of voice work in over the years. Yes. You've Kung Fu Panda and all yes. the others, all the shit that I don't know about. Yes. But now, now this is for a commercial. This is for a commercial this is, campaign. This is for many... Let's just say it's for many, many things. Okay, okay, it's for everything. All right, right, but it's not—it's not a movie. He is a character. He's a, who knows if it's going to be a movie someday. But I'm sure if it's a movie, I might not be the guy. But right, but my question is, how do you know you love this cheetah if it's not if it's not a fully fleshed out character in a story? Oh, Joe, he's an icon. He's been around forever. He's been around forever. And uh, if if you, I'm more of a Doritos guy myself. That's that's perfectly fair. But no, Chester Joe has been around forever. And I did a whole campaign over the summer for a pop-up restaurant in New York called The Spotted Cheetah, where I played Chester. I did the commercial. I was there live. And it was an interactive experience. Anyhow, this is a, a, a big cat. He's a little cat, but he's a big deal. Uh, everyone knows who he is. And he's super great. And he's super cool and funny and sharp. And uh, yeah, it was... Now how, do you, now, how do you approach this artistically because it's not just it no gig is just a gig i get very method about this one listen when you're hired to represent a brand and you get into the character guy it's just the i go as far as the character i mean i enjoy cheetos very much my wife has been eating them forever uh she loves them uh, there's a bag of flaming hots in my house right now but <laughs> as far as chester, you can make friends in some neighborhoods you go around saying that chester's been around for Decades. I didn't know this. Yeah, I didn't and know. And he used Cheetos to be a, a real wild, unhinged character, and they've changed him over the years. Now he's in the real world, so basically he's dealing with humans. Insofar as I know, you know, I'm no expert on Chester, but I do know that if I'm assigned a role, or if I'm saying, uh, if someone says, "Okay, you have to be this guy," you have to get into his skin. <laughs> and uh, just within the past week, are you kidding? I went on a I went down the Chester rabbit hole. Like, so what kind of information did they give you about Chester? Oh, well, he has his own Instagram. He has his own Twitter. You go to Wikipedia. You look at Chester. On YouTube, they have all of his commercials going back years and years. He's got his own Wikipedia. He's a does. fictional fucking character. He, he, was representing kinda, he is an icon representing cheese puffs. cheese puffs. And he's got his own Wikipedia page. Yeah. This that, is why that, the terrorists hate us. It, this is actually kind of the, uh, the definition of America. Yeah. We make our heroes out of cheese puffs. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And that's, you know, what the, the sad thing to me is, you know, you're going to die one day and it's going to be on your grave. Made his fortune doing the voiceover <laughs> for Chester. For I don't mind an animated that, yeah. character for I'm some proud cheese of product. Yeah. Which, I mean, hello, white privilege. Hi. Yeah. <laughs> what? 
That's amazing. White privilege. That's amazing. Joe, it's called. Listen, I'm, I'm doing the best I can. I know you. I know you are I doing. I know you're doing the best you can with what you have. It's just. It's amazing to me how people make their fortunes. Do you know the guy who did Tony the Tiger? They're great. That guy put his kids through college on that. Oh, I well, and let me that. tell you about Tony the Tiger. But the thing is, though, who didn't eat Frosted Flakes when they right. were kids? That's right. Yeah. I loved them. Yeah, me too. You know, who I, didn't eat Cheetos when they were kids? I was I loved in, it. I was in one of those goddamn box stores. I walk in, and there is a guy dressed. He's seven feet tall, dressed in a Tony the Tiger outfit with the scarf around his neck, with the muscle. Because Tony had very muscular arms. He was. Mm-hmm. I saw that character, and I was immediately five years old again. And I almost was like, honey, can you take a picture of Tony the Tiger? I got too intimidated. Oh, and too scared to go ask Tony if he'd be willing to take a picture. Meanwhile, of it was some broke dude who works as an extra by day who was just behind but that Joe, costume. But Joe, he puts on a costume. I've, I've done this. We were talking about on the way down. I was the icy bear for one day at a Sam's Club. And I didn't have a guide. Tony the Tiger had a guide at this box store I was at. And uh, I didn't have a guide. And I got my ass kicked in the costume. And it was the only time I was in a full furry costume. You were like physically beaten up. Yeah, by gang members. A gang? Like MS-13 Yeah, I remember it said, was in my one-man show. Yeah, well, that was like 30 years ago. <laughs> but what, what? I've done stand-up, Joe. But what happened? What, did, did a gang beat you up? No, they didn't beat me up. But a guy ran by, and he went, bop, and he hit the head so hard that I had glasses on inside the suit, and my right lens popped out and fell down to my foot. I bent over, and the head is a long neck, if you, if you remember the Icy Bear. Nope. You're not as famous as you think. Anyway, you're getting assaulted by, you know, the Crips. Go ahead. We're listening. They weren't Crips. It was Sutherland, so we're talking the his Chicano gang. Oh, oh, uh, Valley Local Boys. Yeah. Okay. And, and they ended the session. They seriously, like, I, I, they hit me so hard that the head fell off, and the, there's clamps on my shoulders, and the, my shoulders were wrenched, and I was knocked out, and I was like, I was, I'm sorry, I was in a twisted position. It's a visual. <laughs> and they carried me off the floor and said, go home. Wow. <laughs> it was a temp job. They carried you off the floor. <laughs> well, I was sad. told to pass out coupons for free icy. And instead you just passed out. But I had big, thick, furry fingers, and the coupons were one inch tall. So I would give 80 coupons to each kid because <laughs> I, I couldn't negotiate the ticket. Oh, that's terrible. Well, well thought out. But now back to this Cheeto character. Cheetah. Chester, Chester the Chester. Cheetah. How do you make adjustments to this character that are unique to this character? How do you how do you go, oh, I have to do this and this and this? I don't which know. is unlike No, it's come on. Channeling, Joe. That's a bullshit answer. I don't know. Of course you know. No, it's just channeling, man. You just you just you, you lock into the dude. Well, you lock in. Like like what? Give me some adjectives. Well well is he listen, cool? you're is he, he's totally cool. Can he get laid? He's dry. He's if he were human, would he like? Is he? Is he like? Bond? I think he's very sexy. So he could get laid by all the ladies. He's like the. the I most think interesting, he's a total ladies. Cheater. The Heineken guy, the most, in, the, <laughs> the most interesting man in the world. I actually called him the most interesting cheetah in the world. Dosekis. I'm sorry, I said Heineken. No, it's okay. But uh, no, you just you just lock in, and uh, you're, you're given a great character. There's so much to do with him. If you see, you'll see down the road the commercial. How much does does the director help in this? Uh, is there, a, is there a voice director going? Oh sure, they're make very him specific. More, more Sean Connery, or like, does he give you? No, they're they're, they're really good at uh, the directors are really good at reminding you 
to bring the character to where he should be. Like it's, I'm the kind of actor I get so excitable that oftentimes I kind of have a bad habit of going up in higher registers and going up in more louder registers. And uh, directors are very good about bringing me back to reality. Like bring it down. Da, da, da. Well, what's interesting to me is that knowing this reputation, that a director would say, in spite of his spazzy you know tendency to get high register right. i still want this guy to keep reading for this guy because i think he's right for the character yeah how, i don't know how all that goes but how do you yeah I, i'm wondering how how you transcend that but when, when a casting director is going oh he's such a spaz he's going to be the high register see you don't know joe because you're in a in an isolated booth and they turn you on when they want to talk to you and then they turn you off and they have conversations and uh you don't know what they're saying Hmm. Uh, so you just have to go off the fact that I hope it's going well. Now, how do you how do you keep from getting anxiety in that situation? Because you must uh, be sitting there thinking. You take a Xanax before a session. You, you think know, you roll in. Do you ever sit there in the booth thinking I could get fired at any minute? Yeah, I mean, listen, the first year, no, not the first year. I'd say the first six months when I was on the Kung Fu Panda series, I was so worried about losing my job. But then there was one day that just locked in, and I'm like, I don't think I'm going anywhere. And, you know, here we are. My God, that show, uh, God, it's almost, since it started, I think it was 2008, almost 10 years. What happened on that one day? Why that day did you think to yourself, okay, I'm good? I just, I had a good day. I went in and, and, and uh, the episode focused around my character and um, it was a really big deal. And I was in the booth with top professionals and I really started developing a groove with uh, Peter Hastings, who would direct our voice sessions. Just a genius. And uh, I would think a good director would know how to handle various personalities. He was great because Peter, what was so fun about those sessions was we would start out in the booth and I would always start talking because I, I guys, what we're doing now, sitting around a couple of goons with some wine, talking into mics, it's my most favorite thing to do on earth of anything and so we'd we'd settle in at 10 o'clock you know have you get there at 9 30 you have your breakfast because they you know nickelodeon put on a nice breakfast for you you had some breakfast and you wrap with your friends and you get behind microphones and you start talking about current events next thing you know an hour passes and you've done a radio show hmm. and oh shit we have to record you know a 29 page script well that's a whole other thing and then you're out of there by two and you go to lunch with your friends. You've just been through hell and back with all your buddies in the booth. You go out to lunch. I mean, it's the best way, man. It's the best way to go about like life. It's the best job in the world. When you're doing these voiceovers, do you, do you get like physically animated? Yes. You're doing some things? Insanely so. Is, now, is that part of the technique? Do a lot of voice actors do that? Um, the guys I've worked with, one other guy is like me in that. And it's my friend Fred Tatashore, mm -hmm. who is a big time yeah video. i know that name he's been around a while oh yeah he's the hulk in everything and and i fred and i would sit up front we were the front two seats for the kung fu panda sessions just because it wound up that way and fred and i would always look at each other and get so physical like almost to the fact where we had to kick out the chair behind us it used to be i was able to sit during a session i don't do it anymore i have to stand because i put my whole body into it and you have to be quiet I'm carrying chain wallets. I've got necklaces and skull rings. You're jingling and jangling and <laughs> I stopped all that. I dress like this now. Like I'm, you know, I'm like a mime. You know, you got to be quiet. You know, but I'm moving my body and I'm talking behind the mic. And, you know, if, if you want to really throw something out there, you really want to throw your arms up into the air and clench your fists, you know. Or 
if you really want to be quiet and the waves are crashing and you're creating waves with your hands. I mean, it's all that. But again, now, as you did that, you got physically animated. The yeah. fists were going up before, and then the waves yeah. thing, the hands yeah. were in. And then you wind up working with engineers who know how you work, and they set up the mic appropriately. Now, how is setting up the mic appropriately for that? The, the, like Height and why? Oh, this is a mover. This is a guy who kicks his chair out. Wow. This is a guy who, you know. Isn't that great? When you, it is. when you know people who are like so professional that they get that you can oh, spaz I, out like that. I had uh, two guys I worked with for years, uh, Matt Corey and Justin Brins, Brinsfield, top shelf margaritas. They they knew how the actors worked. They knew the kind of people that they were, how they how they how they had to put everything in to get the the character out. It's a possession. These characters, man. You know. You get possessed, do you? Yeah. Oh, I get possessed. It's so funny, like, especially with a guy like Chester, you, you go in and you just start, you can't even snap out of it. That's interesting to me because Chester, like I said like at the beginning of this segment, he's a character in an advertising campaign. This is not... Uh, yeah, Shrek. but I, I'm not treating it like that. That's to everyone else. I don't give a shit. So it doesn't matter what no, the thing it's, is. It's, it's a character. It's the script. It's the reality. It's the beginning, the middle, and the end of the moment. It is what is happening, and I take it so seriously. Now, I do don't you, care that he's a commercial. Do, do you fill him in with backstory the way actors do in plays, like what his he was raised by an abusive dad or shit like that? <laughs> well, a guy like Chester's pretty uh, mysterious, so I don't really go that far with it, but you just kind of play off the coolness and the iconic. How much do you say to yourself, okay... I, this little trick I'm pulling off here, I did this with another character six months ago. I have to make this different. Or do you play out of the same bag of tricks for certain I characters? do have tricks, but I, I think the tricks have gotten me into trouble in the past because they just get boring to me. And uh, Well, to you, if other people haven't heard them, they're yeah, not... Like, if I can deviate for a minute, I was at the Sac- Seattle Comedy Competition, International Comedy Competition. show. You can do whatever you want. Gee, thanks. I was at the Seattle International Comedy Competition recently, and... I noticed it's it's a five night thing. The first round is five nights, uh, same comedians, sixteen comedians, five different venues, five shows, five nights in a row. Uh, many of the comedians did the exact same set five nights in a row. However, you're in five different venues, so the audiences have not heard this. Right. So, no harm. You, you, I mean, well, so you just, what? I mean, that instance, you just have to basically. I would think like same thing. It's like doing you know different gigs, but you played the same set. At different clubs. Right. You have to play it like it's the first time. Right. Now, not to knock music, but the difference is with music is it evokes a feeling that people go to expect. Right. That you watch it. For example, like Billy Joel, for example. The guy's played fucking Piano Man for 40 years or whatever it is. So they they expect that. Right. With jokes, there has to be a certain element of surprise. Right. However, if you have not played to these people before, you can do the same set night after night. Or unless you've got really five different great sets. Yeah. Which you know, I, you know, which most people don't do. As I was losing the competition, I said, "Might as well do something different tonight." <laughs> I got nothing to lose here. What are they going to put me in seventeenth place? Right. Said, What's going to happen? Right. So <laughs> I, I wasn't too concerned about it. But I bring that up because of of what you said, Max, about using your bag of tricks. Do you do you ever worry that people you've worked with are going to say, "Oh my God, he just did this four months ago on this other thing"? No, I don't think about that. But I, I I'll tell you, the best direction. One of the best directions I've ever gotten, and this was just advice more than direction, was from, uh, this is for animation, mind you, because there are different tiers of voiceover. There's commercial, there's announcery stuff, there's straight-laced, you know, 
stuff. And I've done so much radio. I do radio all the time. It's been radio has been my bread and butter more than animation, more than commercials, more than on camera. I've been doing radio now for almost 17 years, working for the same company. And they, um, I work out of my home, and they send me scripts, and I record, and it's been great. Now, what are they, comedy bits for, like, radio comedy stations? Comedy bits, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah to- topical stuff, you know, involving recurring characters that I do. I have all kinds of different characters that I do for radio shows. But, uh, but my friend Christy Reed, who directs for Cartoon Network, I mean, so many different places. She said to me, you want to treat animation today as if you're auditioning for an independent film. Mm. And I knew exactly what she was talking about. What does about. that mean? Because it seems like there are trends in animation. Like, hey, I'm walking down the street and I've got a bag of popcorn. You know, there's that. And then there's, I'm walking down the street and I've got a bag of popcorn. There's that. I'm walking down the street and I got this bag of popcorn. You know, I mean, it's like crazy how mm-hmm. downplayed mm-hmm. everything has become in animation. Like, you you're, the, like it's a film. Yeah. Like it's, you treat it like it's a film. Like you're Joe Pesci or something. Yes. And now I pretend I'm Greta Gerwig in all of my auditions. Oh, uh, like how? Give me, give me. Well, she's just like kind of like, uh, it's like a really hot, nervous chick, you know. And she's just sort of like, so when I read my characters, I'm just like, you know, trying to add these elements. And I, I noticed that once I started doing those, I started to get called back. <laughs> really? Oh, yeah. Just really? like t- taking away all of the bullshit and all of the padding and all of the nonsense. And just now, if you get an audition in the mail for a cartoon, it's not just a cartoon anymore. It's like, it's an independent film starring Ben Stiller and Greta Gerwig, directed by <laughs> Noah Baumbach. Yeah. And it's Greenberg. It's now Greenberg the cartoon. <laughs> right. So I read the script and, okay, so yeah, it's like, yeah, so, you know, why, why, what is wrong with you? I mean, you're, you're, you're a hot dog and, and you're out of your bun. And I thought I told you to get back into your bun. Otherwise, you're not a hot dog. You're just a wiener out of your bun. I mean, whatever. You know, so it's like, it's taken me that long because I've always been an over-the-top performer. I've always shot, ah! you know. Do you feel like you needed to go years of being an over-the-top, over-the-top performer to get to this level? It's happening now. But do you feel like it, it, you needed to go through all that to yes. reach this point? Well, yes. I needed to constantly be told, less is more, less is more. Take it down, take it down, bring it down, bring it. And, and it, i got to tell you, now I'm at, this, uh, at the point of satisfaction where if I'm too subdued, yeah, can you... Punch up. Can you right. get a little more energy? Right. But you're getting to an age, because you're what, like 47? Yeah. You, you're at an age where you've got, even when you're subtle, there's still a gravity behind right. what you're doing. Because I think some of the, 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 there are voices that I hear who have, if there is so much behind the voice that it can't be imitated. Like Anthony Hopkins and Morgan Freeman and Ian McShane is another one. There's oh, yeah, so much going on. There's so much yeah. decades of shit. Ian McKellen is another one. So much stuff behind them. Patrick Stewart. I mean, there's just so much Those shit. Those guys back are there. all amazing. Yeah, but it's but you can't just, you know, smoke a thousand cigarettes and then do no, that. No. It's not there's there's stuff back there, man. Right. These guys have lived fucking life. And they're not acting. That's their personality. Yeah. That's, they're just being themselves. It's all there. And do you feel like you're starting to get to that point? Because it's not just being subtle. It's like 
years of life yeah. and shit. And years now, life. Yeah. If now it's all underneath and going, yeah. there's something going on there that can't be imitated. It can't be directed. I, I, I made the joke in the last episode that you're like Harry Dean Stanton mm-hmm. in that you're the same and everything, but obviously you're not. But that's the uh, direction that Jack gave his good buddy Harry Dean Stanton in the early days, in the 60s. They lived together. And Jack said, just play yourself in everything. And I think I finally started playing myself when I did Master Mantis because he was this little guy, but he had a big chip on his shoulder and he was very angry all the time. And it was like, it was so porous and soulful. And now I'm kind of mellowing out a little bit. I'm kind of chilling out, cooling down a little bit, getting old, whatever. And Chester comes along and he's this icon who's been around forever. And he's just this really cool cat. And he has... No time for nonsense. And he just wants people to enjoy life. And that's like when I was at the restaurant, more, you know, morning, noon, and night, I'm, I'm inhabiting him. And then at night, you have to rise to the occasion and talk to people who are coming up to this screen that I'm on. And I had full conversations with people. And now, they're now, talking now, to now, an animated ex- cheetah. Explain the screen you were on. What was this? Oh, it was, it was the top shelf technology joe it hasn't even like it's barely hit the market i worked with this team called uh we fly coach dude well good on you man congratulations it yeah. sounds like a hell well, of you, a gig you work really hard to get this gig and i hope you have it for the next you know 20 years oh yeah it'd be great and uh it, it'll just be amazing for you it'll be great thank you and uh, i love it and back to you uh and almost. now my cousin is chester cheetos how cool yeah. is that what made you uh why did you want to start podcasting yeah he did uh you know the truth is it was like... Uh, I don't want the truth. I want bullshit. Uh, <laughs> I'm sponsored by Nestle. Oh, okay. They're paying me $5 million That's a year fantastic. And all, $5 million. All the All the chocolate I can eat. Congratulations. Yeah. Yeah. Why'd you want to start so podcasting? How about Lakers, I love huh? those crackles. Um, th- about three years ago, four years ago, Max and I started a thing. Oh, Instead what of kind guys of thing, night yeah. out, it was guys day in. <laughs> and it was just because we wanted to hang with each other. There was no thought of podcasting or anything. Um, although, you know, I knew that Max did a podcast called Mimosa back in the day, which I was a huge fan Joe of. It was, was on a bunch wonderful. Of I loved Mimosa. It was so much fun. But I had no intention of um, doing a podcast. But we, we would hang out. I'd go to Max's uh, place once a month, once every two months, whatever, whenever we were free. Bring wine, bring food, and we would just drink and eat and watch mostly rock documentaries yeah. all day. <laughs> and it was so fun. And our conversations were just like this, mm-hmm. sitting on his couch, eating and drinking. And it was about two years after that. It was so entertaining and so fun. I thought, I bet there's a, a, a bunch of people that would just love to be a fly on the wall and listen to this shit because it's entertaining. And I thought, you know, I should be recording this. Um, this could be just a podcast. It's just us being us. No pretense. You know, maybe I thought we could have a guest here and there, but most of it, it would just be Max Cook and Lorenzo Scott just doing what we normally do because we bring it out of each other. I tap something into Max. Max taps something into me, and we have a dynamic. And we were just on his couch doing this, and I proposed to him, what if we started recording this? And <laughs> this, and just this became a podcast. We don't change anything. We're just us. And he said, great, let's do it. And so we did. And that's that, all. That's all there is to it. It was really just out of being, just ha- out of hanging out, and doing this. Do you have a long term goal for this podcast? 
No. Describe the... I'm uh, really taking it episode by episode. Describe the assortment of guests that you've had, because I've listened to some of them, and it, it I'm, I'm struggling to find a unifying theme. Well, <laughs> to me, it's all about... There isn't a theme. It's, I was... It's all about just trying to find. Do you like the title, Joe? Interesting people. I don't understand the title. What is Thank magazine? You. What is magazine? Thank mean? you, Joe. Well, I had an idea. Is there a staple in the middle? Or what? No, <laughs> no. There's a card right in the middle to subscribe to other issues that okay. you can use as a bookmark. <laughs> That's right. Right. <laughs> Which we all do. Which we all do. Um, well, my initial idea was this, and maybe this idea was absolutely not realized. But initially, when I came up with the title. I went back to uh, Peter Gabriel, and uh, when Peter Gabriel left Genesis, the band, he went solo. Genesis, the band, as opposed to the Children's Hospital. Of course, yes. Genesis is the band. <laughs> yes, Jesus. yes, as opposed to the, you know, the kid show. Play me, old King Cole. The stars will join with you. All it was now seems so far from me. It doesn't seem to matter now. Play me my song. Here it comes again. Play me my song. Here it comes again. Am I right? Peter, why did you leave Genesis? <laughs> now. Can you tell us why you left Genesis? Now I want Cheetos. You stand there with your fixed expression. Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> Why don't you touch me? Touch me. Like you were that. saying when the, Peter Gabriel left the Genesis. Dick lies down on Broadway. Um, what the hell was I talking about? You were about? talking about Peter Gabriel oh, leaving Genesis. Well, yeah, I'm a, big, <laughs> I'm a big Peter Gabriel fan. Joe's looking at his Facebook. He's like, okay, I'm done. He's, he got his phone out. Did Max Cook post something yet? <laughs> Anyway, Peter Gabriel left Genesis. He left Genesis. He was asked by Rolling Stone or some magazine, you know, what do you want your, your solo career to, about, uh, to be about? And he said, I want every record of mine to be a magazine where not all songs are the same. Like in a magazine, you'll have different stories. You'll have something about animals. You'll have something about the world. You'll have something about nature. It's, it's a magazine of different topics. And I want every record of mine to be kind of like that. So every song would be a kind of a different thing. It's not going to be uh, completely all um, about you know one style of music, and my records would be kind of like a magazine, and I thought that was really cool. So I thought, well, when we talk and we're just hanging out, we're all over the place. We're talking about all, all kinds of topics from rock and roll to nature to whatever. So I thought that this show would be kind of like that. Right, but Peter Gabriel is a brand. I know. When you say Peter Gabriel, most people in America know a certain thing. They can't define it, but yeah. they know what Peter Gabriel is. I kicked the habit, kicked the habit, kicked the habit, shed my skin, shed my skin. <laughs> this is the new stuff. This is the new stuff. This is the new. I go dancing in. He, he goes, goes dancing. Oh, won't you shove me? <laughs> anyway, something like that, right? But you throw your pals before the swine. Make the monkey blind. <laughs> We've had wine. We've had a lot of now, wine. But, but my point being that everybody knows who Peter Gabriel is. Yeah. But now you and Max, not the most famous guys in the world. <laughs> no. <laughs> so what, what they, people don't know what to expect. 
So true. And, and, so is there? So it, it, as this podcast evolves, is there a part of you going? We need to hone in on certain aspects that to 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 define this podcast. You know, no, because really, it is kind of like an undefined thing where it could be about anything. You know, it's not like uh, you know, I, I'm not Charlie Rose with all every you know, with all these amazing guests coming in, and I'm just interviewing politicians and rock stars and authors and. It's not that kind of show. It's basically a show about Max and Lorenzo kind of bullshitting for 45 <laughs> minutes, and hopefully it's entertaining. That's kind of it. And then we have entertaining people coming in, and we basically are asking people, anyone that we know that we think has a story or that's entertaining, like yourself, with a backstory that's in, it's in, it's interesting, to come in and talk and, and be kind of knuckleheads with us. That's well, really I, all it is. I enjoy being knuckleheads with that's you. That's it. I mean, okay, it, that's... Isn't, it isn't topical. It could be. If we if we feel like it, we I think talk, it's, I we, think it's a big roll of the dice depending you know, on who your guest is. You know, because if you got a if you got it a, is, if, is it, it's not guest intensive. It should be because well, if, we you're don't gonna, know if you're going to be well people. if you're going to be knuckleheads, you better have really uh, the the third the third knucklehead here better be really entertaining. <laughs> so far, they have been. Oh, that's good. So far, they've been that's it's good. It's been a really good call of guests. That's good. Okay, yourself included. I appreciate that. Thank you. But this is my podcast. Well, I guess I should say myself included. Yeah, I think the two of you are very entertaining. Thank you. I just, I worry that it's going to, I don't want it to be too generic because I I think the both of you have a wonderful chemistry together. Um, I do, I I think you both have a lot to offer. I just wonder if there's something, if it's lacking specificity. And that's what concerns me here because I really worry about the future of the both of you in life in general. I think Lorenzo will be fine. Max, I'm worried about. You'll be fine, but Max is a mess. I am a mess. Yeah, you kind of are. You've always been a mess, and here is you it are. True? But but I think that the mess is what he's actually now succeeding at. I think, really? I, yeah, I think all of that. Even though you're doing characters, I think whatever mess that is, I think you've honed it down enough where even if you're doing a character, that mess can be a, a really cool character. Really, you, Max, you are a wonderful metaphor for life. Oh, what does that mean? It means no one's ever said that. You, you, I mean, you're fucking up a lot. I mean, let's be honest. You're, you're incredibly. <laughs> right, you're tell in, me. You're incredibly imperfect, and yet, <laughs> what? And yet, here you are. What? What? What's imperfect? Well, I don't need to say it because you've said it a thousand times on all of your podcasts that you've done. It's like, I, I, I'm this, I'm, I'm a big ugly chode and blah, 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 and I got my back hurts and this hurts and I got the thing up my wiener, checking out my thing, and I got the thing up my femoral artery and every five years another dog dies and I go to pieces and my life is fucking horrifying. Ah! But I just got this gig for Cheetos that's going to pay me trillions of dollars. So my <laughs> point being, that oh my god, that's my life. Yeah, I mean, all these things go wrong, and right. yet you've got a wonderful wife. Yeah, what is your wife? You've got a great circle of friends. You are your career is taking off. It's taken a while, but it's finally taken off. It's been steady. All right. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but I think that's the point of life. I mean, you are an example of people doing just they're doing the best they can. <laughs> <laughs> are we in the what is that room where everyone roasts in New York? What's that famous Friars Club? Are we in the Friars Club? I'm the Friars Club. I was I was the Joe Dungan Flyers. No, 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 no. I was not putting you in the Friars Club. I was comparing you to a guy selling term life in auto in Omaha, Nebraska. That's okay. what I was doing. You're doing the best you can. 
And like you're not perfect, but right. my God, you're sticking to it. And look at you. How many people stick to something? And look what you just announced. What's the something I'm sticking to? The voiceover. Oh, yeah, okay, son of it. a bitch. I didn't know. There's this the the the, the Cheetos thing. Ch- Charlie the Cheeto. What's his name? Charlie the Chester. Cheeto. <laughs> yeah. First, can I just say, I don't like birthday parties thrown for me. But when I turn fifty, I am going to have. Only male friends. I'm going to have my all my dudes. <laughs> and we are going to rent a big room. And it's going to be meat and cigars and booze. <laughs> and it's going to be a roast. I want to be roasted when I'm 50. Oh. I want every fucker to get up at the dais and roast the it's, fuck out of me. And roast everyone else in the room. It's going to be great. It's in my calendar. And both of you are coming. And we're recording Absolutely. it. Absolutely. What, what, what day would that be? Uh, I'm thinking like a Saturday night. But like, like what? What year? What month? What is August? Something? What's your birthday? August eighth. August eighth. What year? Do you want to say? Well, what let's year? see. It's. I, I don't give a fuck. It's. I'm 47 now. I don't do math. When will I be 50? In three years. 2021. 20. What 2020. Year? You were born in 1970, right? Correct. So August eighth, 2020. We're doing it. We're doing it. We're Ladies doing it. Ladies and gentlemen, you are going to hear the most awesome <laughs> podcast three years ever. from now. It's going to be Max right. turning 50, and we're going to roast the shit out of him until Absolutely. he has burnt meat. And I'm picking up the fucking check. I don't like when people say, hey, it's my birthday party. Come to this expensive restaurant. And then they sit there like this, and everyone's passing around the bill. No. My boys show up. They don't even tip the valet. Everything's covered. All I need you to do is eat, drink, smoke cigars, and roast my ass. Oh, I'm going to start writing jokes right now. Right now. Right now. Fantastic. So, Joe, I know you've taken over the show, but yeah. I need to ask one question. Certainly. Or at least steer this into one other topic. Sure. Because the last episode um, was about the Mick, Mickey dying. Yeah. And the best pug in the world. Oh. But there's, there's a part two now. <laughs> and he needs to talk about part yes. two real yes. quick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You did. Uh, we can maybe end, the, end, up, end, on, and, end on an up note with a beautiful part two. I'm all for it. What do uh, you got? Of, of, of the Mickey Max, story. Max, tell us the story. So tell us. After all Mickey. Right, right, real quick, I very reluctantly uh, adopted a new dog. <laughs> and it was, I thought it was too soon. My wife thought it was too soon. But she said, hey, take a look at this guy. And I'm like, that's not a pug. She goes, no, it's a chug. I said, what the fuck is that? She goes, it's a chihuahua pug. Run right into each other. How do they get together? Uh, well, listen. They're dogs. Ima- imagine it. A chihuahua pug? Do dogs will fuck a handful of worms. Are yeah. you kidding me? He's right. Do wow. you know they have pug skis now? A husky and a pug fucked and had a hus- pug, a, 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 a pug ski. Do, do they need like a like a three-step ladder for I, the pug? Seriously. Oh, I mean, oh, I oh dogs? Worst, worst porn ever. Dogs will fuck alligators. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, dogs will. will fuck mules. Will. Really? Come on. Like a pugigator? Yeah. Wow. They got those. They got chigigators and chigigators. Oh, yeah. yeah, and huskadiles. Huskadiles. Oh, oh, huskadiles. There's wow. fucking horrifying hybrids out there. Wow. Continue, like man. A yeah, no. Saint Bur crocodile. So she found this damn dog, just like she's found all her dogs on these a rescue sad rescue sites. <laughs> and I'm like, honey, no, no, forget it. Come wait, on. wait, why? Let's go meet it. Because I, I, Mick was a god, and I don't. How do you replace a god? I mean, your dog was very sweet. He was. Mickey You've met pug. him. I'm yeah, not. yeah. Mickey was an adorable little pug. Yeah, you knew him. Uh, so it was. A, it was like it was too hard. But I went down and I met the little fuck, and he was really spastic, but he was funny to me, and there was something about him, and he immediately reminded me of Don Knotts. As as, as just far. quirky and he was jittery. Did, 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 did he run funny an apartment building? Big eyes. 
What? Did he run an apartment building in Santa Monica? No, what? I'm talking about him as Barney Fife. Okay. But that too. When he gets old, he'll become Ralph Furley. We, we may change his name to that when he's old. Okay. So, no, we, we, we brought him home, which was weird because we went down and met him. And then the rescue people are like, oh, he loves you guys. You want to take him home? Whoa, whoa, whoa. No, just foster him for a week and decide. And then if you want to adopt him, adopt him. If not, bring him back. And we thought that was weird because it was like, whoa, don't, who are we? We could take this dog home and cut off his limbs and, you know, do terrible things to him, torture him. But they let us have him, and uh, I, it ruined Oktoberfest, which I wasn't able to attend. Adam was very understanding. So a friend, Adam Shoulder, who has a Oktoberfest yeah, bash at his place every year. It's right. great. So I brought him home, and the, the little fucker immediately was terrified. And he was growling and showing his teeth. That is a Chihuahua trait. And I know Chihuahuas because I worked with them professionally. Uh, I'm a huge Mickey Rourke fan. And I, I was able to get a great job where I was on the Spike Ferriston show as Mickey Rourke. And, you know, he has chihuahuas. This was during uh, The Wrestler. No, uh, I didn't realize chihuahuas were a thing with Mickey Rourke. Really? Yeah, Mick, Mick has uh, chihuahuas and pugs. Okay. Uh, mostly chihuahuas these days. So when The Wrestler came out, Mick was in interviews holding two chihuahuas all the time. So I spent a day with these two chihuahuas. And I said, wow, this is a breed I'm into. Cut to... Uh, Barney Fife, who was named Pig, who was named something else. Somebody, wait, wait, the, the rescue place named, named the dog him Pig. Pig? Yeah. Did they run out of names? They're just pulling names out of the dictionary? They're the worst names, dude. They're the worst names. I've noticed that. These places, they, they don't even try. They don't even try. It was like they Bob, just want to get Fred, rid of the fucking, they're so stressed out. John. These women who run, it's all women. Like They're bulb. running these, they're, they're miserable. They're miserable. Yeah. They're dog Whatever. women. They're tired. They got all these ratty dogs, nasty dogs they're trying to get rid of. They really don't tell you their full story. Just here, take them. So we took him home. He hid in the closet. He snarled. He bit me. I said, I hate you. I don't know. Fuck you. <laughs> that was night one. You said, I hate day, you? I did. I hate you. The next night, the next day, rather, Nicole's like, let's bring him back. I'm like, ah, give him a chance. You guys, you have to give these animals a fucking chance. What happened? They're scared to death. They're terrified. This guy, we find out, was in an old bag's house who was bedridden. And he had, he's, he's a pup. He's barely, I think he's a year and a half, but he's barely two. He's so much energy. He retrieves. He's smart. He's sweet. He's thoughtful. He's eager to please. He wants to go outside. This dog didn't know how to walk outside. We took him outside. He was reacting to every sound in the hood. So well, now, plus the dogs, they're all about the smells. The so all smell, the smells must have he overwhelmed he him. Would, he was so uptight, he couldn't enjoy smelling. <whistles> he couldn't enjoy anything. So over the course of a week, this dog changed. Just being with us, getting on a schedule. Wow. Getting him outside. That's terrific. Taking him on walks. Getting him on a regular feeding schedule. Because the daughter of the old lady he was living with, she evidently was a dope fiend. And uh, he was living in a den of iniquity. Oh, God. This poor thing. So I think he's traumatized. I think he's fucked up. Here we are. It's been, I, again, I don't do timer math, but it's been a while now. We've had him. He's had his challenges, but boy, oh, boy, he's won our hearts. He's still here. Here's the problem with Barney Fife. He wakes us up at 5 a.m. every day with his whimper. Oh. The good news is he's a kennel dog. He loves sleeping in his kennel. Oh. So he does not sleep in our bed, which is great. He the, fetches. Now, now you have another dog, right? You have a pug. We have so? Malcolm. Now, does Malcolm sleep in your bed? Malcolm sleeps in our bed, and okay. that's always. And fun. Barney's okay with this? Barney, well, Barney is in his kennel because he's kennel trained, which is great. I'm sure he's been left in his kennel a lot. 
But uh, it's a whole negotiation with Barney in the morning and this and that. I've lost a lot of sleep over Barney, but it's worth it. But you know, do the dogs get along or they get well, a little feisty? Well, Malcolm is still, I think, in a depression mm. over Mick's death. And in many ways, Malcolm has become Mickey. He has developed all these crazy Mickey-like traits. It's really weird. Has he gotten really old? He's gotten really old really fast. Suddenly, he's getting Heinzy. That's when the dog's rear legs start to bend. Oh, no. He's acting like Mickey right now. That's weird. bizarre. In fact, we're taking him in 9 a.m. Sunday morning to get him checked out because this hind leg thing started, and that's what Mick started to do. Wow. Is he, like, drooping his hind legs? He's or? drooping. He's... He, but he's sad, Mickey. Mickey still had life, even with cancer. Like, Fuck you. I'll f- I have cancer. But you know what? Fuck you. I love my dad. And I'm in his lab. And fuck you. I Let's do this. Let's go. Malcolm is, I don't know. I'm tired. I have to realize. I, where's my Mickey? I don't like this new dog. I want my daddy. So we're dealing with a lot of dog drama right now. Wow. But it's all worth it. And let me just, I'll leave you with this. Barney Fife is in. We adopt him, adopted him officially, and he has seriously brought this odd, youthful exuberance into our lives because he's so young. He loves toys, which is much like Lily did. He has a big basket of toys. I was so excited because Christmas morning, we're going to give him new toys. Oh, I wow. haven't done that in years. We're going to have a little Barney Fife sto- uh, stocking. We're going to give him toys. He loves it. Uh, we took him up to Cayucas. We took him up to the beach. I threw the ball on the beach. He retrieved the ball. Aww. I haven't had a dog that retrieves a ball since I was a kid. You wow. and your wife did a good thing. You rescued a dog from he's, like purgatory. Yeah, right. He's trouble, but he's so sweet. But he's bringing, I think, needed, youthful needed, life yes. into your house. Yes. He, he's a light. He is That's a cool. light. And he's hilarious. Very entertaining. So we love him. I Barney see your face feet. lighting up as you're talking about oh, yes, you are. Great. He's great. And I rarely see your face light up. Ladies and gentlemen, Max has a lit up face. He's smiling like a little boy. He's right young now. again. He's young again. Oh. He's young again. Joe, you did a great takeover. <sighs> yeah, Thank you. Joe. Good no, job, dude. Good times. Appreciate it. Good times. I'm glad to be here. I'm glad talking to you too. And I uh, love I talking hope, to you. Yeah, I hope this turns into. It uh, was, this is going to end up in the Smithsonian. I just it have a will prediction. under. Don't let this happen to you. <laughs> Do you masturbate to porn? <laughs> I masturbate to podcasts. All right, stop it. <laughs> <laughs> do you masturbate to porn or do you I was, I was, fantasies in your head? I was waiting for this moment. <laughs> you just can't. I want to know. You can't help yourself. What kind of porn do you like? I love it. He wants to know. He waits until we're on right. a podcast to ask me. We're in a car for an hour and a half. He doesn't ask me. That well, was see, a podcast. This, this is the difference. I try to end really high on like, oh, it's a dog and he's happy and he's smiling and youthful energy. And after that, it's like, do you masturbate? <laughs> He likes to end up. Yeah, that let's note. end really high. And Max is like, let's talk about Don't Joe's you kind of know what Joe jerks off to? No. <laughs> <laughs> I was doing so well. You were doing great. 99% of this podcast was going really well. It wasn't even near the gutter 30 seconds oh. ago. Now it's nothing. It was but sweet. It. it was genuinely like almost like ready for the holidays. Okay, so ladies and gentlemen, we're going to stop recording and then get to the good shit. We'll see you in 2018. That's Sorry, right. everybody. That's it. Um, I, I've been glad to take over this podcast. Max, Lorenzo, it's been wonderful. I hope I can come back sometime sooner than later. Absolutely. Peace out, peeps. And everybody, thanks for listening. See you next time.